Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, this is former NBA player Keith Van Horn, and you're listening to the Jake Brown Show. May the 4th be with you. The Jake Brown Show is back in business on CBS Radio's Play.it, iTunes, and Spotify. I had to play a little Star Wars. 20 seconds, of course. No more than 20 seconds uh, to follow all the rules and regulations of uh, that. Uh, Jake Brown Show, Jake Brown Radio, Jake Brown Show on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is where you find us. Um, a couple of changes, if, if you haven't heard. Uh, unfortunately, a week ago I was laid off from my full-time position here, but the show must go on, uh, as they say. Hey, it was, it was a great run of nearly three years. I started back in June 2014, and I, I thank Adam Bloom and Adam Weiner and Chris Crow for the opportunity having me here as the digital content manager at CBS Sports Radio. And, I mean, incredible things were done. I mean, we Brown and Scoop, we had 10 viral interviews. We were on TMZ, ESPN, CNN, you name the site, we got there. And CBS Sports Radio, we took to a new platform digitally in terms of the audience that was gained there, going from 3.5 million to 8 million unique page views over the year. So a lot was accomplished. And and they say in the industry, don't get comfortable because when you do, you get leaped over. And I think there was a time where you're in a position where you get comfortable. And while it was sad news at the start, you look back at it and you say, you know, it was a good run, but it's time for, to do something else. And I appreciate the opportunity from the played out team and everyone there, uh, Greg Herman and Bloom and Wiener and um, everyone involved there and JD for letting me continue to do this program. And I'm going to continue to bring good content. It'll be a little, a little less, a little less studio time, a little bit more tightened up. But good things are still coming, and including good things are one of my – I like to have people who influence me in my childhood and people I loved, whether it be sports or the entertainment side. And one of those guys was Keith Van Horn. I, I used to root for the Nets along with the Knicks, but I, when Kid got to the Nets, they were fun to watch, and Keith Van Horn was a big part of those teams. He'll be joining us on the podcast, and that will drop on Monday. Really good interview going through his career and his time at Utah, his time with the Nets, his time – in the league and what he's up to now and the guy riding off into the sunset making four million dollars to not even play i mean you he said it was basically like winning the lottery and you can't blame him for doing that uh, so keith joins us uh also the a&m sports academy in new york guys doing a terrific job really influencing kids to head in the right direction and play basketball and not just basketball win at life not just winning the court but winning life and to stay off the streets stay out of violence stay off instagram and be active and do well in school. So the AM Sports Academy guys, uh, they were awesome. They were in here. Shout out to Alvina as well. More Media International. Uh, great stuff coming. That drops Friday. When you might hear this, you'll hear this as a drop Thursday, but you might not hear it at night. You'll hear it Friday or wherever you get a chance to listen. A lot going on in the world of sports. We got Alyssa Namoli here. She's going to come up later with a NHL update. We'll give her two minutes on the clock in honor of a power play as the Rangers tonight look to tie up the series at two at the Garden. They picked up a big Game 3 win 
uh, four to one and a much needed one, and she'll give us the playoff scores in that update later on. Um, and just a lot of things going on. You could also check me on the SNY Mets podcast, Meet the Mets cast, co-hosting that with Robert uh, Brender and Matt Cerrone. You'll hear me go off on the 10-year-old kid on Instagram, that Mets fanatic who I basically said to delete your account because a 10-year-old has not gone through anything compared to what we have gone through. I'm 26. I'm still somewhat young. Where I haven't seen everything. I mean, people older than me at least got to see the 86 World Series. I've seen two World Series appearances, a couple playoff appearances, but nothing more than that. I haven't seen the title. And I've been through collapses. I've been through the Victor Zambrano trade for Scott Cas- Scott Casimir for Victor Zambrano. I've been through collapses. I've been through a stadium change. I've been through multiple managers. I've, I've endured Terry Collins, who has given me gray hair that I don't even have hair. Um, so shut up, you 10-year-old brat, and stop trying to go viral for your stupid videos. Uh, you're not even like a cute kid. that I could be like, oh, at least he's cute. You're not even cute. And I'm sorry to hate on a poor kid, but, I mean, so many kids in our age, and I sound like an old grandpa now, doing anything for attention, whether it's getting on bar stool for hurting themselves or jumping on a table, whether it's going on a rant, whether it's doing a dumb thing. Now, the funny thing with the Utah Jazz and that kid who did that rap, that was more funny. And I, there was, I think there's something wrong with the kid, so I can't say anything about him. But that was actually entertaining. And it was like one of those videos you laugh at slash smile at. And that's kind of cool stuff. But what this kid is doing, uncalled for, it's April. And part of April, that also makes you mad. Well, now it's May. Um, but his videos being posted in April. Part of the things that do get you mad, and, and Pat Antonetti behind the board can attest to this, is Noah Syndergaard. And Noah Syndergaard's kind of become a larger-than-life kind of player now in New York like Matt Harvey did. His ego has kind of got the best of him. He said, screw you, Mets. I don't need an MRI. I'm going to throw. I'm going to go out there on Sunday and or Saturday. When was it? Saturday. And throw 100 miles an hour. Um was it Sunday? It was Sunday. It was 23-5? Su- Sunday, wasn't it? Was it was the 23-5 game. Um, and really just what the Mets season has been, just getting crushed after winning two and losing your stud pitcher now who has torn his lat. He's out for three months. And Noah Syndergaard has to realize this. One, you're young. You're inexperienced. Let the doctors take care of you at a part of the season that does not matter as much as the part where the Mets would need you, and now they won't have you for three months. So the foolishness, and it comes with the immaturity of that age. I mean, I'm 26, he's 24. Two years ago, hey, I was, I'm was i still immature, a little immature, and I was very immature at 24 and doing stupid things. And even when he got to the league at 22, he was doing stupid things. It happens. But to not trust the doctors and to refuse an even MRI in April, it's just dumb for your sake. And now you're hurting yourself. Think about it. There's so many ways this hurts you. One, it hurts the team. Two, you're still not getting paid a lot where you're trying to work your way towards big bucks. You're not going to get that if you can't win 15, 20 games if you're only pitching two to three months. You're not going to get that when you're going to be perceived as having an attitude problem at such an early stage of your career. And you're not larger than life. You've done some good things, but you have not put a full season of a 15, 20 win Cy Young kind of year together yet. To have that, and neither did Matt Harvey. And sometimes that New York spotlight becomes too big for guys. It became big for Matt Harvey. He really took a deep dive downhill on the mound, a little bit off off the field by injuries. He the supermodels got the best of him, and I give him credit for Adriana Lima. She's fine and she, she's great, and you give him credit for that. 
But there's a certain point where you realize that that spotlight gets too big for you and you go from 100 to zero real quick. You're on top of the world. You're in New York City. You're on top of the Empire State Building. I'm the man right now. Matt Harvey was the ace. Noah Syndergaard became the ace. But sometimes you need to be humbled a little bit. And you can relate it to to me here. You humbling experience when you get laid off from a job unexpectedly. When you come come back from a dentist appointment and you get a call from HR that you're laid off, it, it changes your outlook on life. And if this doesn't change Noah Syndergaard's outlook on things, I don't know what will. Right, Pat? I mean, if this if if you can't see him change now. After refusing an MRI and now out for the biggest part of the Mets season, you're hoping he comes back in August as a different person. Right. Um, but with that, I don't know who I'm more upset at, Noah or Sandy, because they basically asked him, do you want, do you want an MRI? And he said no. So why did, why did they let him pitch? Yeah, I mean. Just say you're not pitching then. I think they let the power of Thor and the yeah. hammer get the best of him, where he said, oh, he's fine. That's not and, how you run it. And you're right. That's a different angle to look at it, where you have to look at the front office. You have to look at bimbo Terry Collins. You know, I hate Terry well, Collins. It's, it's, uh, it's not all his Sandy? fault. It's the whole organization. It's Sandy's fault. And I think they let his ego and his confidence really get the best of them, and they said, oh, he says he's fine, so he's fine. Don't ask the player. Especially in April. Say, if this was September, you say, you know what, you do it because you need the guy out there. Throwing 100 is not going to help a lat muscle that's injured or a bicep that's injured. Uh, So you look at that angle as well. I mean, where was the organization in this saying, there there is a new 10-day deal for a reason. It's not 15. You miss two starts, you come back. Not saying rest maybe would have helped. Maybe this still would have been an issue. But rushing him back at such an early stage of the season is just so foolish on all levels. And it's not like the team is 2-20. and 20. I mean, they're sure, they're towards the bottom of the division. But there's just so many games left. There's still 130 games left in the season that Noah Syndergaard should be nowhere near that mound if he is not near... 100%. And he clearly wasn't. So uh, there's so many people to blame to this. You can blame Ray Ramirez and the fact that he has been a training disaster. And the guy, you wonder how he has a job. I don't know how much blame we point. It, it's such a weird position in sports where it's like, do you really blame the trainer for guys getting hurt? But all these freak injuries over the years. It alarms What's you. in common? It yeah. is, it's Ray Ramirez. Yeah. I mean, Ray Ramirez is lucky to still have a job. This guy's still out here training guys and still training guys how to get hurt it's like all right here he goes Ray Ramirez goes in the season and says all right this is what we're going to do you're going to go out there you're going to pitch two weeks and then you're going to end the Mets season by getting hurt I mean it's every every time every year you have hope for this team bad things happen and it usually is an injury front and that when the Mets have had troubles even you date this back to 2003 when they get Mo Vaughn they get Roberto Alomar you have high hopes for the season I bought a Saturday plan this team's going to be great look at this team on paper injuries and guys not performing up to par, it happens. And it happens in New York more than anyone else. As I said, the spotlight is on you, and the media, the scrutiny is there where you're not going to perform as well as you would in Kansas City, as well as you would in a small-town market. Um, It's just not going to happen. So hopefully this changes Noah Syndergaard and his outlook on the game. He's funny, he's entertaining, all is good, he's got talent, but sometimes you got to trust the guys that have been there. The guys that have been there have been the training staff, have been the front office. Let them give you a damn MRI. An MRI is not going to hurt you, buddy. 
It, it, it may make you miss some time, but it's it's going to be better off for your health than if you go out there and pitch and then tear your lap. Don't even ask. Just say you're getting an MRI. Yeah, and you, you, would, you hope from now on this changes his, his yeah. opinion on everything Everything about it. I mean, it's frustrating as a Mets fan when you lose your ace and you lose now. They're saying Yoan Cespedes could be out longer than they expected. He might be out a while. You lose your two best players are out right now for an extended period of time. And you say, you know what, next man up. Those are big shoes to fill. You, you, you lose your guy who you thought was going to win the Cy Young and you lose your guy as an MVP candidate. It's not like, all right, let's plug in. Let's plug in uh, Matt Harvey. He struggled. Let's let's plug in Jacob Degrom. He has struggled. Let's hopefully get Steven Matz back. Who knows when that happens? Let's get Seth Lugo back. Who knows when that happens? He's coming off an injury. A guy who was overused in the in the uh, World Baseball Classic. So it's not like plug this guy in. Let's. Oh, I mean, Cespedes is out. At least Conforto can play every day. Well, you still got to sit through Curtis Granderson's one thirty average every day. Um, luckily, Jay Bruce has been really good. Um, without Jay, if Jay Bruce is bad, I mean, here's the thing. You're thinking Michael Conforto is an all-star candidate, and you're thinking Jay Bruce has been exceeded expectations already this season. The Mets are in first place, and they're right towards the cellar. I mean, it's a scary thought. So there's a lot for this team to overcome. And, uh, I mean, you know, I've said it all the time. There has to be a short lease on Terry Collins. I know we blame the injuries always. But in some cases, the manager has to get some sort of blame. And I'm not saying this is all his fault. There's been some times this season it has been. In the past season, of course it has been. And I've tallied a couple times already. I kind of took a break from tallying uh, a couple of the issues. But there have been a couple times, like when he pulled DeGrom early, early and they lost that game, or when he... They lost the game, and not that it was his fault, but, I mean, pinch-hitting Ty Kelly over a clutch bat in Wilmer Flores is very alarming. But at some point, the leader of the club is the manager. And if this team free-falls at some point, say they're 10 games under five hundred, you can't let Terry manage the rest of the year. There are Dick Scott is very capable, as the bench coach, of coming in there and managing this team. Not saying he's the savior, but sometimes you need a new leader. And we talked about this on the SNY Meet the Mets cast of who's what's going to happen first, Terry getting tossed or David Wright playing? Not saying Terry needs to get tossed to inspire this team, but I think him showing some energy and some life and saying, you know what, I'm going to defend my team and I'm going to go out there if there's a call that he doesn't like, I'm going to go out there and toss some dirt around or toss a bag and get a major league moment out of the movie on. I think we need to see some fire and some life. Not, it's not always about closed-door meetings. It's about showing your passion for the team, and I don't think Terry um, always shows that. And we know he's made in-game mistakes as well. As I, I've when I worked here, Pat knows I would complain every day about him. So, I mean, Pat, you have to admit that if this team does free fall, the manager's got to go. Um, well, if they do let him go, which I don't think they will let him go, because I I do think Sandy pulls the strings. And but you said like Dick Scott could replace him. He's someone who's going to listen to Sandy. But I don't know if a more animated manager would coexist under Sandy because I think Sandy likes to have more control. That's what we think. I don't know if that's actually true. I don't uh, know. I mean, is it? Is it not? It, I mean, uh, what he, you're saying is Terry is Sandy's puppet. Well, I, mean, I don't want to use puppet, but like. Has when Sandy first got 
got hired and he arrived here. Wasn't he known for saying things like a manager is just a middleman? And wasn't there talk that... I think things have changed a little bit back since Back then, that. It, was, it was, I don't know who, whoever was the hot manager. It was like, we, you know, you couldn't... Bob Melvin was another guy out there right. where they didn't get Terry. But not someone who's a big name like La Russa or Tori. You know what? Terry's Leland never had or, success. Never. And yeah. he finally made the well, World Series. He couldn't he even take here. those star-studded Astros teams and the Angels. Well, he had good teams with the Astros and the Angels. What do they do? Jack S-H-I-T. They did nothing. I mean, is, how about Sandy's record? I mean, it's. I know he's he, yeah, but did he build The he GM, I don't think day in and day out. Now, here's the thing about Sandy and the Mets here. They he just did a god awful job at the middle of bullpen, middle right. relief, getting right. nothing. Yeah. And I mean, how you don't sign Joe Smith for a couple million dollars? Joe Smith would have made all the difference in the world. Fernando Salas was a guy who was a minor leaguer a year ago. So to expect him to be a seventh to eighth inning guy and be really good consistently is just right. foolish. Right. And if you insert Joe Smith, Jerry Blevins, Addison Reed, Jerry Familia, we're talking about one of the best bullpens of baseball. I'm not saying Joe Smith is a savior per se, right. but Patching up that middle relief when your starting pitching is struggling. But that makes isn't difference. that more on Sandy than on. Yeah, that's right? what I, that's the blame I do put on Sandy. Sandy. But I do think Terry does tend to overuse guys like he has with Sal, putting him out there like seven times in eleven days. Right. He tends to overuse guys that he likes who don't end up being good. And I mean, seeing Josh Edgen too, and I know it worked out with the Bryce Harper end of the game double play. Although that's a scary decision to bring in a guy who has notoriously given up big home runs, cough, cough, given up home runs from Ryan Howard multiple times. Josh Edgen isn't the savior. I mean, that time it ended up working out. It makes Terry look like a genius. But there's just questionable moves that there won't be many more of if the Mets do have a tailspin. It's early. So let's let's give this team some time. And let's get out of the division schedule. I mean, they've played all divisional teams. It's like... Let's take a breath and play another team outside of the division. The sad thing is this division sucks besides the Nationals, and they're all beating us. So it's an alarming thing. But, again, April, the weather's warming up a little bit. Let's see them play in warm weather. Let's see them hit the road. I think hitting the road right now is the best thing to happen to the Mets and getting away from the New York media and scrutiny and just going outside of your comfort zone and even, again, playing in warmer weather. Again, every time they play here, I feel like the weather, when they come to City Field, is bad. They, and then as soon as they're on the road, the weather here is great. I mean, it's amazing to me. It's like they're coming home this weekend, and the weather won't be nearly as good as it was this week. It's like a curse. It's like, all right, you're coming back. Mother Nature's like, screw you. We're going to make it rain this weekend. And I'm not talking Fat Joe in here. Um, so this is the Jake Brown Show. Played out at iTunes and Spotify is where you find us. Uh, Terry Collins and the Mets struggles might be bad for baseball, but something I do think is really good for baseball is what has happened here with the Orioles and the Red Sox. I think we need more rivalries like this. The negative side of this is this. Hitters don't have control. Hitters don't have control if you're going to throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball behind them at their head, at their body, and continuously doing it to Manny Machado is probably wrong. But I think us even talking about this is great. It's May. And we're talking about the Orioles and Red Sox being a rivalry. This is something that we need instilled back in the Yankees-Red Sox, which was known as the best rivalry in baseball. And suddenly, the only true rivalry of teams that just freaking hate each other is this. I don't know the teams that hate each other like the Orioles hate the Red Sox. Manny Machado went on a swear-ridden tirade against 
the organization saying screw you, screw, f you, f you, f you, f you, f you, nonstop saying I don't respect this organization. And I think that's what we need. We need these guys to hate each other. And what did he do the next at bat after they threw behind him? Home run. And then he took a trot that took about an hour to get around the bases. And I think that makes – when you're talking about Orioles, Red Sox in April and May being kind of must-watch, I mean, how could you not like it as base, as as Joe Torre, as uh, Rob Manfred? And I know Torre and they talked to both teams and said, stop it, stop it, and it didn't stop. Uh, but you have to like it a little bit. And what, I mean, what's Chris Sale saying? Chris Sale just got here, and he acts like he's part of this war. I mean, Chris Sale's a great pitcher, but dude, come on, calm down. You're you're not part of it. There's no war here, and you just got here. You're a new Red Sox. You weren't here in the past years where last year where this bloodbath went down. I mean, you're new, so you need to calm down a bit. And I will give him credit for what he did, stepping out and letting Adam Jones get his ovation after the racist remarks were against him. And good job by the Red Sox banning that fan from the stadium. Now, he might still be able to go to the Bobby V route and put on the mustache and glasses and get in the building. Um, there's still the possibility that that happens. But that was a move that was needed to be done. Although I'm, I'm curious how they found him. I mean, I guess that he was pointed out right after, but it's, it's I guess they maybe removed him that night and then they remembered his name and said you're out of here but i'm curious how they they did pretty easily find him and uh banned him so he's no longer welcome at fenway park using the n-bomb against adam jones and you're better than that and it really points a bad light on boston overall as their sports community and i don't think they're notoriously known as racist now that their fans have at times been questionable in some senses but to really generalize a fan base as quote-unquote racist because of one or maybe a couple of people dropping N-bombs is unfortunate. And you f- and you feel for those fans who are like, hey, I'm not like that. And I'm glad to see that they did make a classy gesture of just giving him a re- ovation and letting, him be no- letting it be known to him that, hey, we don't like you, we don't like the team, but that's not what we stand for. And I think that was needed and was a job well done. Now, last night... We tend to see this sometimes in baseball where umpires think they're playing in the game. And they think they should have more of a role than they do. And what Sam Holbrook did was just absurd. I mean, so Gaussman, Kevin Gaussman was pitching, basically threw a curveball, uh, like a 78, 76-mile-an-hour curveball uh, in a hit, uh, a 76-mile-an-hour curveball. And it hit um, the batter. Now, how you don't give a warning in that situation on a pitch that honestly wasn't obvious that they were going after him. It wasn't a fastball. It wasn't at his head. It was a curveball on your back. And honestly, if you're a guy getting hit, you don't mind those. Those are the ones you could take. You take it's, it's like the El Duque. I remember I went to a game through an EFIS of 56 miles an hour against... Eric Chavez, and he, he buckled twice and struck him out. I mean, the, the curveball, you're a big leaguer. That ain't going to hurt when it hits you in the back. You're, you're going you're gonna to wipe it off. You're going to trot it off and walk to first base. But for the umpire to say to really ruin the flow of the game by tossing the starting pitcher early in the game for that is inexcusable. And then to after that, to go out and toss Adam Jones... For arguing balls and strikes, 
I mean, Sam Holbrook, get out. I mean, you have, there's no reason in your right mind that you should be affecting a really good series and a good rivalry here because you want to be part of the game. And uh, easily the worst night of any umpire in the major leagues this season. It's just there's no part for that because they have, the umpires have a bigger effect than, than you would think. When you're tossing a starter and you're tossing maybe probably the best player or, I mean, right there with Manny Machado, the best player on the Orioles, you toss their starter and their best player in the same game for two complete overreactions. Now, Holbrook's a veteran. This is something you see with younger umpires. You don't really see this with veteran umpires. And the fact that happened is alarming, and I think that ump should maybe get a little couple games suspension or a fine. <laughs> they, they fine all these players. I mean, reprimand him a little bit because there's, there's fans paying for tickets that don't want to see. No, Red Sox fans probably have no problem. If this was in Baltimore, fans would be paying for tickets to lose their outfielder and lose their starter. That's frustrating. And I know if I was there, if I saw the ump do that, it's like, all right, well, thanks. Like, you just tossed two of our main guys uh, in a series against a team that might win the division. I mean, these are two teams fighting for the division. I know it's early, but it's really just not called for. I mean, hey, guys, it's May. May the 4th be with you, but it's May and we're talking about baseball. And that's, I think, important. Now, while it's not the bestest of news... The fact that I started this show kind of with baseball shows you that it's good to see some attention early in the season and people watching and eyeballs locked in here to baseball. Eyes are also locked into the NBA playoffs right now, and some big news that came out today is Tony Parker. I mean, you feel for the San Antonio Spurs because of now a quad injury. Tony Parker, a ruptured quad tendon, will miss the rest of the postseason. The good news is the Spurs did tie the series with the Rockets at one apiece. The bad news is they're without their... Do we call Tony Parker a future Hall of Fame point guard? I think he might be. I think he's... With the fact that he's won all these titles, I think you put him in the Hall of Fame conversation. If not Hall of Fame, right on the edge. And I'd say he's probably a Hall of Famer. When it's all said and done, he will probably be a Hall of Famer. Listen... Patty Mills is a capable point guard. He's a really good player. Has been a really good bench player. Can he fill the role of Tony Parker 40 minutes a game? I can't say yes, honestly. I can't say that them losing depth like that still makes them the team right behind the, the Warriors. The Rockets might have just entered that equation. The Rockets are saying here, you know what? Let's take advantage and let's face the war. The Rockets show us they could score 120 points a night. Now, they could, they could use a little help defensively, but this team has no issue scoring. Remove the Hall of Fame point guard from the picture, and the Rockets, I mean, the Rockets already had a solid chance to win this series, but they might enter that conversation of challenging the Warriors now. This is a monster injury for the Spurs, and it makes you think, can Greg Popovich, the GOAT, overcome this? And I'm not going to count the Spurs out because of Tony Parker being out. LaMarcus Aldridge is still there. Kyrie Leonard, the most underrated star in the league, is still there. So don't you dare count out the Spurs. You can't do it. Can't play with them. Can't coach with them. Can't do it. Um, the the Spurs are going to be – this one's going seven. It's a coin flip to who's going to win now. 
I really think the Rockets have a shot. And I think Rockets, Warriors, Harden and Curry going at it would be one hell of a series. And I think that's something that would set up for a great Western Conference Finals. I think that has more appeal to it than a Tony Parker-less San Antonio Spurs. But in typical Spurs fashion, we know what's going to happen. They're going to win this series. They do it over and over again, and they're going to do it again. Now, you think at 2-0 that the Celtics are going to say, hey, we're winning this series. And, man, stories like this, why you love sports. Isaiah Thomas, on what would have been his late sister's birthday, goes out and scores 53. I mean, 53 freaking points in the playoffs? Just one of the all-time great playoff performances by a guy who is shorter than me. Now, IT, fourth quarter comes on. It's his time. And he's, he said that over and over. And you feel for the guy. In his post-game interview with David Aldridge, he says, Reality sets in when I leave this arena. Reality sets in when I have to deal with the fact that I'm without her. But his sanctuary is in that arena for those three hours. His mind's off it. And he just put on one of those performances that you know something was fueling him. And he said after the game, that's what it was. She would have been 23. China Thomas, his sister, who passed away in a car accident. It's inspirational to watch someone go out and do their job exceptionally after losing someone so close to you, an immediate family member. And those are the stories in sports that, I mean, it's obviously a tragic story, but you love the fact that he went out there and did that for her. You go out and do it for a loved one, and you go out and do it better than exceptional just legendary 29 points in fourth quarter overtime the Wizards scored 30 total I mean he almost scored as many as the Wizards did in those two periods so I still do think though that the Wizards are in this series I think they showed us you know what they should have had that game they didn't get it Isaiah did what he had to do but the Wizards are going home and their fans are going to be amped up and I do think they're going to defend their home court now I do think the Celtics are going to win this series but this ain't going to be a cakewalk. I don't think this is going to be a sweep. I think this should go six or seven. But don't count the Wizards out just yet. I do think, though, they need to work on their conditioning. Because late in that game, I mean, they were using all upper body. John Wall and Bradley Beal clearly gassed in the backcourt. The whole team was gassed. I mean, putting up bricks from downtown. And Celtics looked, Celtics looked more conditioned. The Celtics looked more inspired. And they used Isaiah, the little energizer bunny. They used that crowd to fuel them and give them a ton of credit. The Celtics are up 2-0. And the Cavs don't really need much. I mean, LeBron's just standing around, flipping the ball in his hands, firing up threes and making them. I mean, there is a reason LeBron James is starting to be talked about now. That's better than Michael Jordan. And that debate, that conversation can now be talked about. And if the Cavs win the finals this year, I'm not going to look at someone with two heads if they say LeBron's better than Jordan. Am I ready to say it? I'm on the cusp, but I'm not there yet. But, I mean, this guy is just making it look easy. They sweep the Pacers. They're up 2 no- nothing on the Raptors. DeMar DeRozan is, is willing to pay his max salary to really find someone to help stop LeBron James. I mean, they can do nothing 
to stop this guy. And DeMar DeRozan is a very underrated player, one of the best mid-range scorers in the game, a guy who creates shots and who who's very overlooked being in, in Toronto and the Raptors, and no one really talks about them as much as maybe we should. But, I mean, I'm looking at it on the TV right now. He literally was spinning the ball and just fired up a three, boom. I mean, it's like he had the world in his hands. It's like he had a globe. and he, like It's what you do when, all right, check balls in, one-on-one. You're playing straight ball, and you're flipping the ball. You're spinning it in your hand, and you just fire it up. They're making it look too damn easy. And that is a series that I do think will go quick. I do think the Wizards will make something of the Celtics. I don't think the Raptors will make something of the Cavs because they're, they're cruising, and I think they really want to rest, and I think they're going to get it because I think the Celtics series will go deeper. Where they do need the rest, they want the rest, and LeBron is just playing at another level and then being healthy. How are you going to stop them? I mean, the Cavs, again, I, I said it on past shows, it's just hard to see them being beat. You want to, I mean, people want to write all these storylines of who's going to beat them. And this emulates what Nick Wright said. And check out that interview if you haven't on the Jake Brown show last week. Uh, played out at slash Jake Brown. Nick Wright, well, I disagreed with him about LeBron being MVP and them being coasting through the finals and being the Warriors. He's right. We created storylines of, oh, the Cavs, they struggled in the regular season. Someone's taking them down to the playoffs because they're not healthy. They, they lost 31 games. They didn't get the one seed. It's May, baby. It's going to be May, in the words of Justin Timberlake and NSYNC. It is going to be May. And when May comes, it's Bron Bron time. And the king is on his throne. And when he's on his throne, I don't know if there's much stopping him. The Cavs are going to coast here. And then the other series, I don't want to talk about this that much because I do think the Warriors will make slight work of the Utah Jazz. I think that, honestly, probably five. I think Utah wins one at home. But I, I just think there's a lot of matchup issues. I, I don't think the Jazz can contain the Warriors' backcourt. I don't think they have the talent. They're a fun team to watch. They're an underdog story. But this is going to be the Warriors' series to win pretty handily. And I do think they'll get some rest. Because, again, I said Spurs-Rockets will go deep. I think Warriors-Jazz might go might be a sweep. Might go five. And I, I, I kind of would rather have seen the Clippers won. Um, but, again, Blake Griffin being out would have made it tough for them. But, it, I mean, Warriors-Clippers might have been more entertaining. But, hey, give credit to the Jazz for getting here. Give credit to Quinn Snyder. He's one of the most overlooked coaches in the league for even getting here. So, really, the two series you got to watch here, Spurs-Rockets, Celtics-Wizards. The other two, I think... The teams will coast. I think the Cavs will coast. I think the Warriors will coach. But the NBA playoffs aren't the only playoffs going on. The NHL playoffs are going on and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, I I mentioned the Rangers. I've dabbled a little bit here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But our resident expert here is her last day at an internship. So this will be the last time she will be on the show. So I had to bring her on. Um, Alyssa Namoli is here. And Alyssa, I know you've been in a couple of these Ranger playoff games. We're going to set two minutes on the clock here. We're going to start in about 15 seconds. We're going to set the two minutes. We're going to give you a power play opportunity to give us two minutes of everything going on. Cue the music, Pat, um, of what's going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Cue the music. It's a little loud. Let's lower it a little bit. Two minutes on the clock. Hit me with that Stanley Cup update. Alyssa Nimoli. All right. Well, we're finally in round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's getting really tough now. 
you know, since the Blackhawks really dropped the ball and caused the upset by getting completely swept in round one by the Nashville Predators, we're likely to see a Predators-Oilers matchup in the Western Conference Final. The Preds are one win away from getting their spot in the Western Conference file, and while the Oilers and the Ducks are currently knotted up, I think the Oilers are going to come out on top. After breaking their 11-year playoff drought, it's the Oilers' time. They want some success. As long as it doesn't step on the Rangers' toes, I'm okay with it right now. Um, a little closer to home, the Eastern Conference is getting busy. The Penguins and the Capitals are tearing each other apart. Uh, the reigning Stanley Cup champs are ready to, you know, clinch the series and take Capitals. their win. Yeah, they're going to send the Capitals home. I guess Jay Beagle will have to settle for playing Phil Kessel and Mario Kart. That might be their only thing that they can win. Uh, for the Rangers, they're currently down 2-1 in the series to the Ottawa Senators. But don't worry about it. If they play like they did in Game 3, that will not be a problem. They've been the better team all season. They're finally showing it. They're capitalizing on their goals. They're getting plays done. They're going to win this series if they keep this play up. I'm still predicting the Rangers in the final. They need to get through the Penguins if they want to do it, but this team can do it. I'm saying Rangers and Predators, and the Rangers got to do it. Got to win. Rangers and Predators. So so the West is now the Predators, or what is the series at? Right now the Predators are playing the St. Louis Blues. And the Ducks are playing the Edmonton Oilers. And what are those series at right now? Um, oh, you know, the Edmonton Oilers are leading. They're 3-1. Okay. Oh, no, they're and currently tied 2-2. And we want the Oilers to win because they're like a nice little underdog story. Yes, Oilers double. You know, they're down a little bit. They have been a little weak on the season, but they're really showing that they're that they're there. Connor McDavid's leading this whole team. I'm very proud of them. Rangers-Predators would be an interesting final because no one really talks about the Predators. It's like the... Just a small town girl living in a lonely world versus the big boys <laughs> and the, the, the lights shining bright like a diamond. And it's it's two opposite sides of the spectrum. I mean, who talks about Nashville? I mean, unless you're a big Elvis Presley fan or a rock and roll fan, that's, uh, that's what we talk about. So, hey, I'd like to see them do it. It'll be good. They have similar styles of play. I call them Western Conference Little Rangers. Mm-hmm. They're less known, but they have a very similar style of play, very similar team. So I think that that matchup would be really interesting. And the Capitals just doing what they do best come playoff time. Just another choke job. And mm-hmm. the series isn't over. I mean, we've seen teams come back from 3-0. The Rangers did it. Rangers have done it. So I'm not going to count them out. But, I mean, even without Sidney Crosby, the, the Penguins are winning. And that's got to say something about the Capitals come playoff time. They always find a way to lose. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I know you're excited the Rangers play tonight. Uh, we'll see what happens with them. Hopefully they do come back. That was like a half a power play. That was like a one-minute power play. Oh, really? That was Ooh. like a speed up. I got a goal. I pulled version. a Derek step on. I got a goal. <laughs> ended go. early. Um, an empty netter, we could say. We ended a little <laughs> early. Um, how about Jay Cutler? A couple of nuggets here before we wrap up the show. It seems like if you were a pretty solid name in sports – and you say you want to quit, you're going to be getting a broadcasting job. And uh, Jay Culler is going to try to enter the broadcasting field, and he'll probably do it. I mean, give him credit. I mean, the guy's like, you know what? I don't need to play anymore. I'll get paid millions like Tony Romo to be in the broadcast. So good for him. My stud of the week, the Jake Brown stud of the week, is Aaron Judge. This guy is just hitting the – he's hitting the – tearing the cover off the ball. 
I had a friend who, after I think a week or two in the season, he was hitting 100. He dropped him in fantasy, and now he's like, "Are you kidding me? What am I doing?" This guy's hitting 330, has 13 homers and 27 RBIs, and he has a 433 OBP. I mean, Aaron Judge is just playing incredible baseball right now. In the last, I mean, he's got in the last two games three homers, and in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, he has two, three, four, six homers in seven games. Seven homers and nine games. I mean, this guy is putting on a pace where he might, honestly, and not even a joke, hit 40 and 120 in his first full season in the league. Hey, I'll give credit. It's early, and I'll give credit where credit is due. The New York Yankees are playing great baseball, and I hate that I have to say it. And I do think the tides will turn as the season gets longer and they realize their pitching is not that good, but... Give them credit. They're hitting the lights out of the ball. They're they're playing incredibly. And right now they're more fun to watch than the Mets. And the Mets, night in and night out. I know they won 16-5, to five, but it's scary watching the Mets. You say, oh, they got a lead, and then things happen, and, and things happen that make you want to s- strangle people like Jose Reyes. Um, I, I mean, that's probably not a good person to use the word strangle uh, after being suspended for domestic violence. But... I mean, how the hell do you lackadaisically go back to second base and get tagged out like that? I mean, he looked like he was taking not even a stroll in Central Park. He looked like he was taking a stroll from his bedroom to the bathroom. I mean, he could have moved any slower. And while he had five RBIs, that still frustrated me more than the fact that he helped them win the game because they scored 16 runs. Even if he didn't get the five, they would have won. Um, so it's just inexcusable. Neil Walker had a similar situation. Again, I start with the Mets and end with the Mets. It's like foreshadowing. Um, but it's, it's just two things. Mental mistakes like that are, are when you look at the end of the season and you'll miss the playoffs by one or two games, you look at those kind of moments early on in the season where you weren't 100% focused, and while the season's long and you say the games don't matter now, it ends up that every game does matter. I mean, ask the 2007 and 2008 Mets if every game matters. I know Tom Glavin will say it. It's just baseball. That was a baseball season. But the games matter because the Mets collapsed back-to-back years. And if they had one more win in April or May, they might have made the playoffs those years. And those were really good teams that just had a bad September. So we'll see what happens. The the goal is that those things flip-flop. I mean, not, not even the goal. I mean, spe- neutrally, speaking neutrally, the expectation is that the Mets do kind of get healthy despite Thor being out start winning games, go on a win streak, and the Yankees starting pitching does show that they're not great. But, hey, baseball could be surprising in May, man. I mean, when the Minnesota Twins are at the top of the division, you really never know what can happen. And and usually these things do play out um, as, as they usually do. Listen, Amoli, thank you for the update. Pat Antonetti, thanks for running the board today. Um, again, we will be here like once a week. It'll be a little less. We'll have in a couple of weeks... Pat Williams, former Orlando, or is he still the Orlando Magic GM? Uh, he has 19 kids, I believe, and has written over 100 books. Uh, he is—he currently is the senior vice president of the Magic. This guy's going to have a ton of stories. He's going to be in studio the week of the draft, draft lottery. He'll be here on the 15th, I believe, Monday the 15th. Monday, Keith Van Horn. Check out the guys at the a Basketball Academy coming up at the show. Again, Minor setback personally for a major comeback. So make sure you follow me at, on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and Jake Brown Show. Uh, follow along there and subscribe. It's Apple Podcasts is what they call it now. 
subscribe, rate five stars, write a review while you're at it. Um, and I'll say this for a dud of the week because I said stub before the New York Post. What are you doing with that headline? Uh, a friend of Jameis Wilson sexually assaulted someone. I mean, you cannot get more clickbaity. What are you doing? Using Jameis's Winston name had nothing to do with that story, but it blew up and probably got more clicks because you did it. So don't take the LeVar Ball route. Don't take the reality show route. The New York Post has done this before. But but don't take the route of let me frame this guy by using Jameis Winston's name. Irrelevant, uncalled for. And I know Winston's reading that like, really, bro? Like, what are you doing? Um, so stud of the week is Aaron Judge. And the dud, I believe it was just the New York Post. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you could tweet me. But I think it was the New York Post that said it. Don't use don't use a star's name because a friend got arrested. It's just that's just foolish. That's like saying, like if you said like like my my friend um, murdered someone. Like don't put my name in there. I did nothing to do with it. James was had nothing to do with someone being sexually assaulted. Um, so it's a bad look for them and it's a bad look for the superstar. So didn't like. It. But anyway, thanks everybody for listening to this part of the show. Again, a and Basketball Academy. Keith Van Horn coming up and follow us along we will catch you next time right here on play.it the jake brown show peace everybody this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.